it's just relatively easy to be concise. It's relatively, it is okay. Uh, it, it, it is achievable to be original, but when you try to be concise and original at the same time, then it becomes really difficult. On the podcast today, we're talking to Ozzy, the founder of Startups of London, and he's telling us how he's using narrative and content to help share stories from across our tech industry. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with interviews and insight from across the industry. So if you're interested in tech, this is the podcast for you. Joining me on today's podcast, I've got Ali and Courtney. How are you both? Oh, I'm good for Monday. Happy Tuesday. Oh, Monday. Well, it's Monday. It is Monday, but this is... (laughs) Yes, this is going out tomorrow. I did something that I think... I certainly think you'd like, Courtney, at the weekend. What? Um, You might... No, I didn't do cheerleading. Oh, damn it. I'd love to see the videos. But it it kind of was related. Do you like dance as well? (laughs) Pointing at Ali. Yes. Okay. Oh, I, I competed. Did you? She started. She started again. How, how many months ago? You, no, I you did going, a couple of. I was going to start a salsa class, and I never made my first one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I never made. So this this first. isn't this isn't. <laughs> That's embarrassing. This oh, isn't really just... dancing as such, but it kind of is. Uh, ever heard of Beat Saber? No. Never. Right. So I was up in Manchester for a mate's birthday, and one of my wife's friends um, has an Oculus. Quest, which is the latest standalone VR headset, yeah, which is like five hundred quid. Okay. It's pretty amazing. Like, as in, totally lose yourself immersive. This is good fun. And there's this game where it basically you have two lightsabers in your hand, and a whole load of boxes start coming at you at very rapid pace. So it's exactly. like virtual, though. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so, so you can see your hands with these lightsabers, and as the boxes come at you, there are arrows on it to cut them in various different directions, and then a whole load of blocks come at you I take it to duck or duck under or weave from side to side, and it's incredibly mm. effective, and really does the cameras somehow track your body movements really effectively. And it's set to music. So obviously the boxes are coming at you on certain on beats. beats. Okay. People have lost like hundreds of pounds playing this game apparently. I was just gonna Why say hundreds it? of pounds? Because it's like a full body workout. Because you are... Oh, I thought you meant money. I was like, what no, are no, no, they no, no, doing? No, 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 wait. People have lost a lot of weight because it, it is basically a workout is it a to fun? music. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool. I want to try that. What's it called? Beat Saber? Beat, Beat Saber. Z- Beat Saber. You've got to buy the VR set though. That's the catch. Oh, I am going to buy. Are you? It's 500 quid. For the whole thing all yeah. together. Okay. And That's unlike other VR headsets, which at the minute you need a really high spec PC to run, this is a standalone thing. So you just buy it and it's there you go, Brilliant. you're off you're up and running. Should we start lunchtime sessions? <laughs> Seriously, it's 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 addictive. That's cool, Dave. Like yeah. Like Being in a meeting well room at lunchtime, sweating one out like what? Yeah, people are like, taking the lifesavers are just like two little things in your hand. They're not like long because you'll be knocking shit over. Oh no, so so the, the, they're two controllers, but obviously once you put the headset on, oh, yeah. they are lightsabers in front of you. Oh okay. Yeah. You just holding lightsabers. I just just running around your house knocking shit over with lightsabers. No, I will show you a video after. I really like that. Anyway. No real appropriate link into today's interview, which is with Ozzy, yeah. who is the yeah. founder of Startups of London. Um, sorry, Ozzy. Uh, maybe try Beat Saber. There's, there's a recommendation for you. But we'll go to the interview. <laughs> Stop laughing at me, Ali. <laughs> we'll go to today's interview. We'll come back with some commentary, and then we'll have a look at some tech news afterwards.
On today's show, we're joined by Ozzy. Ozzy Brooks. Ozzy is actually short for uh, Ozan in, in Turkish. So is, is Ozan then a, a shortened version of a longer Turkish name? No, it's just, it means poet or bard, actually. Bard. Yeah. That's, well, that's, as in, like, as in a, as in a music, yeah, musical yeah, yeah, yeah. bard, oh. yeah, a poet or a bard. That, that's that's the exact translation of Ozan. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you are the founder editor in chief, founder editor in chief, and head of product for uh, startups of London. Interesting that you've got those three different titles. Mm. Uh, which one do you prefer to go by? Uh, I mean, if if I had to choose one thing, I would call myself a maker, but it it makes less sense than some circles so I had sometimes stick with editor-in-chief or, or, or the found I usually pick go with founder when I have to choose one it's interesting uh, I suppose working in the content space uh, you often find that everyone is trying to tell narrative now and make sure that people understand what it is that they are trying to do but in a concise way which isn't exactly easy when people are wearing multiple hats yeah it's very difficult it is relatively easy to be concise it's relatively it is okay, uh, it, it, it is achievable to be original, but when you try to be concise and original at the same time, then it becomes really difficult. <laughs> well, look, very quickly, before we dive into, into the detail of the, of the chat, what is Startups of London? So Startups of London essentially is a way for the community mm-hmm. here in London to understand more about the startups. Uh, it's a way for entrepreneurs to find inspiration, to understand the business models, the challenges these companies are having. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of conversations go on behind, behind cl- closed doors. And and, 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 it's, and those conversations are very, very valuable for someone building a business, looking to work in tech mm-hmm. here in London. So the idea is to actually um, be more open about this. I, 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 I'm a hundred percent believer in the openness of internet, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's one of the missions there: create content uh, for entrepreneurs, founders, people looking to work in these startups, and even for some investors. Uh, a lot more VCs have started following our channels in in the last few weeks, so it's also a good source for that. And create from the creative aspect, the planning, all the way through to the publishing. So, yeah, the, the it's great that you mentioned that the business works in a very simple way. We bundle the production mm-hmm. of a video, uh, a podcast, and an editorial for these businesses uh, with the publishing. So that's that's the core value. That's the unique selling position there. And if you don't mind me jumping there. in, why startups of London? Why not startups of Manchester? Because hmm. London is a fairly mature startup scene, but there are other cities in the UK, for example, where... It's a, it's a less well-developed market and there may even be right pickings as, as a business leader in this space or as an entrepreneur in this space. Uh, that's true, but like, was, it, look, was it Ernst Hemingway who said, write what you know? or like, as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you yeah. have to work on what you know. I know London, uh, most likely less than a lot of other people since I've, I haven't been here too long. Uh, it's been a while though. Uh, but... Uh, I don't know Manchester at all, so I know London. It rains a lot. Yeah, it does. It. <laughs> that's a surprise. My wife's from Manchester, so yeah. Uh, anyway, so that that's the core reason. Like, yeah, yeah. Product market fit is good, but product market founder fit is better. So that's the idea. When you're approaching a startup, and you're saying we'd like to create some content for you, hmm. my suspicion would be that you're talking to people who maybe don't have a huge amount of experience of content and marketing. So what are the questions that you tend to find that people are asking? Hmm. Um, They usually, and this is rightly so, they usually try to understand the ROI on that. So I'm going to 
spent this much, I'm going to spend this month, this this time, this resource, this effort into this. Give this, uh, and w- what was the return on that? Is 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 the biggest question people have, uh, and a quite unfortunate thing there. I, I think it has to mature in time. Is that there are two aspects of marketing. Like there's there's the analytical aspect of marketing. Like this is my observation at least, and there is. Um, the story side of marketing, uh, and it's quite quite difficult to engage the, the real value of a brand, the story it creates, the top of mind, the awareness you have, uh, the recognition people have about your brand. It's quite hard to uh, put down in numbers, but it is valuable nonetheless. Mm. So what I find with startup founders, most of uh, most of them tech people, being tech people, uh, they tend to look at the numbers. And they are very good on uh, in calculating the ROIs, the return of their spent on this, but they sometimes neglect the brand value that's going to come out of that. So some of the conversations, for example, I've been having are go go like this. There's a company, and I when when I let's say I'm 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 looking to work at that company. I want to be an employee there, or I want to build a partnership with them. What I do, uh, I'm not a millennial, but I work with different generations, and I'm an uh, I mean. Uh, I grew up with the internet, mm-hmm. right? So what I do reflexively is go on YouTube, type their name, go on Google, type their name, and see what content comes up about this business. And I know many people do this. And like most of the time, especially while dealing with startups in London, either nothing comes out or co- the content comes out is relevant. And you know, in other cases, it, it shows the company in a very negative light. So the value proposition there is, you know what, when people search for your company online, the first results that come up should be, uh, they should be your storefront. They should be great content that tells your story, tells what your business is about, uh, and, and makes that first impression in a very positive way about the business. Where do you spend most of your time when dealing with a customer? Is it at that beginning exploration phase of what they want their brand and their message to be? Or is it that ROI piece and seeing what someone actually gets back from it? Um, because it's a very fresh business, uh, it's very difficult to answer that question because it's, it's been changing a lot. So we've, I, I've spent most of time, most, most of my time in the last few months on building the platforms essentially, building the websites, building the channels, building the brand, uh, building the identity of that and meeting with a lot of new people, uh, mostly through events, some of them through online and actually listening to them. Um, I, I, I was in Istanbul for a, for a while in the quarterly meeting of this HGO video learning business and, and on the way back here I was listening to this book it's called One Page Marketing by Alan Dibb um, I'll be honest it's not, the mo- it's not the most innovative marketing book out there in the world but it's done wonders for me in terms of streamlining my thought process yes. on, 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 on a lot of uh, matters so I do recommend it uh, I can recommend it, yeah. Um, and a core idea there is do not talk about yourself while tr- you are trying to provide value to your customer. They don't care about you. So I'm not when, when I'm having a conversation with a client uh, or doing some marketing online, I'm not talking about Startups of London. I'm not talking about what we are. I'm not talking about who we are. That's the second thing. The first thing now I'm talking about is what is the primary agenda that is sitting on the top of the priorities for this person, for the founder. Mm. What are they trying to do for their business? So the conversation is about them primarily. Understanding who they are, at what stage they are, 
what their priorities are, if they have a marketing budget, what direction they are trying to take the business in. So that's one of the questions I ask. What are your priorities for 2020? And if all those align well, and I think that Startups of London can provide the value, then I start talking about Startups of London. And I think this is much more genuine of a dialogue, which is helpful for them as well. How do you get your customers to not sell and to tell an organic narrative? Because this is their chance in the shop window. They've got finite amounts of cash. They want to get the messaging right. It's very tempting for them to sell. I think it, it is about asking questions that either surprise them a bit, in a way, uh, asking real and genuine questions and getting them to be really comfortable. And I think like we have something in common there. I don't think we've discussed this before, but I've actually worked as a tech recruiter myself for three years. <laughs> and uh, I've done 4,000 interviews at least, maybe many more, with, with people from different organizations, different levels, different backgrounds. So, like, the company I worked before that was an executive recruitment business, so I did, like, 13 CEO placements as well. So, it, it's a core skill for me to have conversations with people mm. in, a, in, a, in a situation where they don't necessarily start with the intention of telling the truth. But throughout the conversation, they end up telling the truth. So, it is a skill that I think I'm personally not too bad at. I think that helps in a way. So, um... Look, you, you described the fact that you are editing this platform and that you have London's best startup showcased on it. At the same time, you have a business model and you need to pay bills. How do you balance that editorial slant with if someone's coming to us and going, here's some money, we'd like to make some content with you, saying, okay, yeah, no, we need to, we need to accept the payday. We can't. We simply can't. I mean, it's all about balancing short-term uh, revenue for the business with yep. the long-term growth and potential of the business. Uh, so I'm quite selective on the type of startups that we feature. Uh, and they have to have an interesting story. Because the way it makes sense is, look, uh, when, when we create a content for, for, for a startup, we are spending a lot of time, a lot of resources into that. And if the only thing we are getting out of that is is an invoice, then we are at a loss. Because 70% of that value is in its help to grow our own channel and community. Yeah, of course. So that, that's, the, that's the reason why I have to be really careful and selective about picking out interesting stories. Uh, for example, I was at an event yesterday and, and I was scouting different companies there. There were six or seven startups that pitched. I met like three other people. So out of 10, I chose to get in touch with only three. Yeah. The rest, I, I don't even touch. Uh, I think it, they could be, they should be creating content, but I don't think it's just the right time for us and for them to start a partnership. But for example, one of those companies, I'll not mention the name now because we haven't actually talked to them yet, but I'm interested to do something with them, is actually working in the, uh, in, the in, in the space of using machine learning and AI image recognition in, the, in, in, in waste managing and sorting out those. Right. So I think it's a really interesting thing that they're doing and they've, uh, they've grown that quite a bit. So I'm quite ecstatic to do something with them and I share my enthusiasm as well. And I share the fact that we don't work with every company. So if that's an answer to your question, um, we don't work with all companies that want to work with us. We, are, we try to be quite selective because we have to do that. If I can call myself the editor-in-chief, I have to think about the taste 
of our audience and community. Looking at some of the startups that you featured, um, Soldo, Seed Legals, Forward Health, or businesses that we know, Forward Health and Soldo are two that we've had on the show previously. Um, oh, wow. How, or rather, actually, what has surprised you the most in your conversations with startups? What sticks in your mind is something that you kind of go, hey, I didn't expect that. Yeah, definitely. Good question. Um, so one of them was the fact that investors in London are much more risk averse compared to investors from the United States. Mm-hmm. That that's, that's something I had a hunch could be true, but I had no data, no personal observation. Uh, and I've actually validated that for a couple of times from these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, a second one, and I think these two are the biggest realizations I have, I've had after these conversations was that, you know, the idea of creating something, iterating, uh, and then reiterating and always having a pivot, um, maybe I'm quoting too many books, but like there was this book uh, by Jason Calacanis, like the, the legendary. And, and it's good. You're filling up my reading list. This is good. That's fantastic. The, uh, the legendary invest, uh, angel investor. He has the book, like Angel. So in the book, Jason Calacanis, he says uh, there's a need for uh, pivots. So it's, it's core to business. I mean, many other books talk about that. Some books talk about it as like the J-curve is another book. Yeah, yeah. There has to be not even a pivot, but there has to be a morph for the business to be successful. And the conversations I've had people with people, including Carlo from Soldo and, and, and many other people, and when I asked the question, hey, you know what, did, did the business go through any pivots, any, any morphs? The answer was no. And the follow-up question I had was, do you think it's necessary? And the surprising thing was, many founders do not think mm. London, the, the, it's not always necessary uh, to have a pivot or a morph. Uh, it's, 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 it's more the case of, we know what we want to do. We understand the market already. We have been here for a while. We have the connections. And then we start building that. So it, it is quite contrary sometimes to the lean and always trying, experimenting, mm. changing, pivoting, morphing approach. That was quite surprising to me as well. well. Look, it's a fascinating area. Obviously, we find it interesting because we explore it on the podcast too. But uh, thanks for coming in and sharing the story with, of, of startups of London. Uh, if someone wanted to find some of that content on the platforms, where should they go? YouTube, Startups of London, just type it in. Nice and, and easy. And, yeah, uh, and, and, and you'll see us. Uh, also, startupsoflondon.com. We're on LinkedIn and Twitter yeah. and Instagram as well. So just type in the name and you'll see. One thing I should also mention is that we've been working for like two months. Uh, I do have two associates that help me with Startups of London as well. So we've been working very hard on this, what we call the ultimate London startup ecosystem report. Mm-hmm. And it's a really long one. It has like eight different subtopics, availability of funding, availability of talent, uh, the general perception of, of, of founders, number of events, key people. It, it even has a list of key mentors. Right in it, so it's it's a very 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 detailed post, and uh, it had it it went viral on Hacker News. Oh, cool! The first day we've published and yeah. brought like four thousand of our daily monthly traffic in a, in a day, which which was like a peak moment for us. Um, and now it's it's still there when people type in startup London ecosystem, uh, it's it's in the first page of Google as well. Uh, do check it out. I think it's a it was very hard work for us, but I wish I had access to that content when I was starting out three yeah. or four years ago. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Enjoyable dialogue. So, Startups of London. 
Content creation for startups. What were your thoughts on the back of this? Um, I loved when he said, and he made such a good point when he said this, because I know I try to do it when I write blogs, and he said to be concise and original at the same time is really difficult. And when you write, come on, you know, mm-hmm. you got to know that's difficult. And, and I just thought it's something we should definitely talk about because it's what he does, content creation. Why do you think being concise and original is difficult? Because I, I don't know, when, when you think about something that differentiates you or an organization from someone else, you can explain for hours and hours and hours and go on for hours about what makes something great. But to take a golden nugget make it really concise, mm. make it stand out from everyone else, and make it super easy to understand, that's really difficult. Yeah. So his job, what he does essentially is pretty hard. Yeah, help weave those stories. I suppose there's like one or two guests that we've had on the podcast where it's a really simple idea. Mm. Uh, what three words always jumps to mind um, for me, which is, here's a, a universal address book that works anywhere in the world using three unique words. And you can have the UN AIDS education or UN AIDS packages or Domino's pizza delivered using it. You kind of go, there's a really simple idea. And then last week's guests, um, Underpinned, who have a fantastic business, it's not as easy to explain so concisely. Mm. And therefore, if you are two tech founders or you don't necessarily come from a creative or marketing background, getting that message out to the market's got to be hard. Definitely. Yeah. And when he spoke about the different startups that he... You can just see he's just very interested in the startup environment and in the startup industry. So interested and he goes in and he says he his job is to go and listen to, to the startups and their creation and how they're doing. And when he said that he'll go to a startup, they'll give them the name, he'll type it in and sometimes no content. Mm. Especially in London when he said, because that's obviously he works at, sometimes no content comes up. That was shocking for me to hear. That was really shocking for me to hear. Because I feel like we're in we're in London. That's the first thing you do is put your name out there, create content. It's the startup capital. Wasn't there like a news article recently and said it's the startup capital? Mm. So surely, yeah, you'd want to get your own idea and push it out to mm. everyone. You wouldn't just want to just have your title and, and go from there. But I guess that's what the, this he helps, isn't it? Aussie yeah. helps. Yeah. It's just to push and make sure everyone actually can understand what the companies are trying to do, even if they're not from a tech, tech background or any, anything like that, that he kind of pushes a more, not normal approach, but more understandable approach. I've always thought, the difficulty is, right, and you know, this might sound really bizarre given that this is a podcast, this is content, we put out videos. <laughs> Content. I said that, I said that to yeah. Ali today. I was it's like, it's pretty much it's very be. similar. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it is. It and is. We have this recruitment side. But content marketing is not straightforward. No. No. There is. It's very difficult actually when you look at the podcast to know which episodes are going to get big plays and which aren't. Yeah. There are times where you kind of go, "Oh, this person's got a bit of an established identity. This this podcast will do better than others," and it doesn't. And other times when you kind of go, "Oh, well, like, I think this is interesting." And all of a sudden, lots of people are listening to it. And, and that person doesn't necessarily have a social following. So I've been doing this for, I don't know, four or five years. And I still haven't worked out what, what necessarily... Yeah. yeah. I just put out stuff that I think is interesting and see what happens. But there mustn't be a straightforward answer. 
it must just be very random. Because but it can't be. I mean, this is it. Growth, growth hackers and content marketers and so on will tell you that it's absolutely not random. And they will sell you a whole load of services around that. True, what, like Google Analytics? And yeah, but we have Google Analytics LinkedIn on this. Stuff. No, not stats, but the LinkedIn Analytics as well, but in a different different way. But I can understand how a, a business who want to get their name out there, who have a limited pot of money, who are work, you know, who have investors' money, would be nervous about spending it with something that is so difficult to quantify whether or not you're going to get success from it. And there is so much content out there. You know, just look at LinkedIn, look at Twitter, look at look at Instagram. It is constant. It doesn't really cost much. If you just, even if you just create a LinkedIn, page, creating create, good content create, doesn't create have to, that, to yes, cost a lot. Yeah. That doesn't have that doesn't cost much and. I think it's all about like Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Like Aussie was saying in his in his interview, is everything nowadays is about telling a story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, let's you, face you, it. You don't have to pay money to get your your name known and yeah. You just have to be smart. You have to. There's just different ways around it now. Well, fundamentally, storytelling is what underpins human society. Storytelling is what we've done. From the moment we've been able to sit around a campfire at night. Yeah. It's what connects all of us. So if you can tell a good story and you can get that across to people in a way that feels credible, then you kind of want to a winner. But doing that in a way that's engaging when there's so much to compete with is hard. Yeah. I mean, Courtney, have you seen any pieces of content that really resonated with you? Off the top of my head. International Women's Day. Let's talk about that. Talk about stuff that you... But again, I haven't actually seen... I've got. I haven't really been on LinkedIn too much today. Um, yeah. Where just, no, just, just where I've just had so much to do. But but even on Instagram, what kind of like catches your eye? What is the stuff that makes you go? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, mostly mostly holidays. Like, when I start, <laughs> like that's the thing that actually catches my eye is, is stuff like people traveling and and not actual valuable content in the sense of if it was like if I was into the fitness side and I saw some mm-hmm. valuable information regarding that it's just that's what I would look at and be like wow I wish I was there but that's interesting though isn't it because because mm-hmm. a business can try and tap into that aspirational thing like when you look at yeah. a piece of holiday content it's it makes you want something beyond it allows you to kind of escape yeah. your, 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 your four walls. Yeah. And I suppose if there's a company out there that can tap into that aspirational aspect, yeah. then it's going to do well. Well, I like, I like a lot of stuff on LinkedIn when it says about companies really looking out for, for individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some with stay, well, not stay-at-home mums, but um, return back to work mums. Yeah. And I read something the other day, and it was that people at, there's the big companies in the financial services that you wouldn't expect doing and they've created content mm. um, and made people aware that they are actually one of the companies that actually allocate positions for people like return mm. from home mums and um, so it's stuff like that there's some stuff that you can kind of identify with identify with yeah. and you know that not many people around like do it yeah so, sorry no, no, no. I, I, I was for anyone who's listening, I was just very rude. I went on my phone because Dave asked about a piece of content that really caught Courtney's eye. And I thought about a piece of content that really, really caught my eye and I see it's gone viral. And it was that video um, that's called Be A Lady. Have yeah. you seen it? 
Yeah, with the woman from Sex in the City. Yes. Yeah. And it was... Cynthia in- Nixon. Yes. Cynthia Nixon, yeah. It was incredible. The imagery that they used in that, it just hits you. Yeah. And, and it's that's the, the touching different places. Re- yeah, touching on really important factors as well. And it's International Women's Day, so I thought we'd bring up something like that. It was on Sunday. But that's gone... I've, I saw it when it was on Facebook. It didn't actually have a lot of views. It was a couple of weeks ago now. And my friend sent it to me. And now I see it on LinkedIn. I see it on different companies as well, Mm -hmm. using it with their own, try and push their own diversity and inclusion while having that as well. Mm -hmm. So I guess that that is perfect content. It's grabbing everyone's eye and it's delivering delivering the message in a different way. And at its core, it's quite basic. Completely. Completely. Yeah. There's no reason why... With a little bit of thought. Punchy words. Anyone could have done that, yeah. One, one second clips. I think it was a little bit risky that some of the pictures that they used were yeah. really, really risky and I think that's really what knocked it over the edge. Yeah. Um. So we're saying impact, concise, authentic. Take a risk. Take a risk. Outside the box. There we go. Well, look, if you do need some help with content, you can talk to Ozzy. Equally, you can always come on the podcast. Woo. Not that we're necessarily... <laughs> We might take a risk from time to time. Yeah, we do. We do. Swear. Yes, you, yes, you swear. Yes. That's and then true. get really scared after you swear. <laughs> <laughs> There's authenticity. You have fear. Um, we will say thank you to Ozzy for being our guest this week. And we will go uh, to a quick break and then come back with some technology news. Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Today we are going to talk. Um, what, what? Why are you laughing at me? Welcome back to Tech Talks. Today we are going to talk. Well, that's what everyone wants to do, right? About tech. Everyone wants to talk. No, today we're going to talk about the new normal. Um, this is to do with coronavirus and isn't to do with coronavirus. I hate coronavirus. Well, I appreciate that, but it <laughs> is kind of pertinent right now. Uh, and it's all about the new normal. So China's excessive use of coronavirus public monitoring could be here to stay. And it's basically a really pertinent article about the fact that over the last two months, Chinese citizens have had to adjust to a new level of government intrusion. So, getting to someone's apartment compounded with workplace requires scanning a QR code, writing down one's name and an ID number, temperature and recent travel history. Basically, China have utilised coronavirus as a reason to roll out mass surveillance on a really big scale using technology and the fear is that once this coronavirus epidemic pandemic as it may turn out to be is over that level of intrusion um, will stay and the reason that people are saying that is on the back of the beijing olympics on the back of various other events that have been in china previously the state has rolled out extra surveillance and then not rolled it back this sounds like a, a film I don't know. I don't know why, but it just really just sounds like a, a, one of the films a couple of years ago. 
So Chinese companies are rolling out facial recognition technology that can detect elevated temperatures in a crowd or flag citizens who are not wearing a face mask. A range of apps use personal health information of citizens to alert others to proximity of infected patients or whether or not they have been in close contact. State authorities who've been locking down entire cities have implemented a myriad of security measures in the naming of containment, sorry, in the name of containing coronavirus outbreak. So from top officials to local community workers, they are enforcing rules uh, and repeat the same refrain that it's an extraordinary time requiring extraordinary measures um, but people are obviously asking what's going to happen when, when the, the, the coronavirus so, is over that's so excessive though that is a terrible amount of it's self-intrusion if it does stay you would never be, be able to be a normal person you'll always feel watched and I, I feel honestly imagine having a, a tiny temperature not a tiny temperature but actually being a little bit sick not so much that you're going to infect anyone but someone gets alerted that you're a little bit sick and then it's everyone stay away everyone stay away it's... imagine trying to take a day off work uh-huh. and... I mean it talks here about um, citizens are particularly critical of a system called health code which users can sign up to through Alipay or WeChat that assesses an individual sorry that assigns individuals one of three colour codes based on their travel history time spent in outbreak hotspots or exposure to potential carriers of the virus the software used in more than 100 cities will soon allow people to check the colours of other residents where ID numbers are entered one resident complained on Weibo that he'd driven through a particular province without stopping but his colour had changed from yellow to green indicating that he would need to be quarantined I can't now even go out to buy bread or water. Oh, no. Now, the reason why this is, you know, why this is kind of mission creep is that um, on the back of uh, events like the 2008 Olympics mm-hmm. and the Shanghai Expo in 2010, techniques of mass surveillance became permanent after those events. It sounds like a Black Mirror episode, if you ever watched Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. It really, it sounds like one of these things that's going to be horrendous. And people aren't going to be talking to other people. It's going to be like a, the one where there was a rating. I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah, uh, nosedive. And you can see off people's ratings and, mm. and what they've done. Mm. It's so... Do you have to sign a, sign something to be involved in this? The difficulty is, is that the Chinese state will impose these... No, you know, I think at the minute now you're facing a jail term if you're not wearing a face mask what? in China. It's either a jail term or an on-the-spot fine. Really? Mm. To be fair... I can understand the face mask. Well, face masks don't do it. No, they don't. No, no, but they prevent it from you from spreading it. From Not really. On other no, people. it's touch. Like it's by anything. It's mm-hmm. you. But like I can, I, that I'd be okay with. That I think that you'd be okay with as well. But when it comes to your personal space, the the government now gets to see everything. So also, you. what I find really weird about this is it's encouraging citizens to spy on other citizens. Yes. Also, exactly. It's turning. People against citizens yeah. into apparatus of the state, mm. Mm. which is really quite worrying. And it's not, the, the reason why I wanted to talk about it is it's not a new thing. It has been going on for yeah, some time. Yeah. But it's the fact that people's civil liberty is getting eroded bit by bit. And it is mission creep. It is it is little bit by little bit by little bit until you re- until you you know people talk about the fact that you go to a hotel in China and you're being watched the entire time. Yeah, is. Yeah, but are they using the coronavirus as an excuse to bring this in? Do you reckon they've been sitting on this for for such a while now that they needed that valid excuse for everyone to have panic? I I think they'd use any opportunity. As it says, Beijing Olympics, Shanghai Expo, any opportunity they've got to push it a little bit further. Yeah, but they've probably been sitting on this for ages, hoping that something comes out and 
Well, it came from it, China. It makes you think. But look, next lot by be be naive. You know, Western organisations will utilise technology when it comes to insurance measures to have greater data on staff, etc., with regards to whether or not they have to pay out um, on uh, employee benefits, etc. I mean, there's negative and positive to everything, but like you say, this type of stuff needs to be monitored. Mm -hmm. So and intrusive. it needs permission, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think you've got to, so, especially for the people to see other people's. Fair enough, the government seeing us, you always feel like the government are watching us, but for other people to see, like me me going to you, oh, you're a bit ill at the moment, and then just moving my, my chair away. <laughs> it's not... It's not great. You know what you, a song you should close off with? Go on. I always feel like somebody's watching me. <laughs> I was it's like, a, where the hell are you going so with this? It took so long to realise what you were yeah. singing. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was the wrong tune. At the well, look, we're back on music, so we'll end on a positive. Go check out Beat Saber because it's Yay. a lot of fun. Yes. There you go. Apart from that, have a lovely week and thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye.